0: So going home and having to tell your your wife and your children that actually you you're out of a job was mm. was a big shock mm. i would get home at the end of the, the first few days and i was just exhausted every night yeah but i really enjoyed it i think a good business Gary, is somebody who can go through their their customer list every year and look who they're going to mm. going to stop trade away from them. yeah who doesn't fit the mold of the business anymore i remember re- winning our first uh, six-figure project i remember the excitement you know, but also the dread and the scare of how on earth are we go deliver this how are we go cash flow it how are we going to resource it a lot of this stuff that you need for business and even just for life skills these kids don't get taught in school yeah we're expecting these youngsters to come into the workplace and be fit for work and they're not what's what's missing do you think welcome to the business
1: sense podcast i'm gary crosby this is the podcast where we make sense of the business journey by talking to owners about what they've learned along the way. Let's jump into today's episode. Mark, thanks for joining me this morning on the Business Sense podcast. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the story of uh, of how you um, went through from being a, a tradesman yourself all the way through to setting up and running a, a successful company. But. Um, let's just go right back to the start. Um, I imagine at this point you, you're at school and you've got some choices in your life and at some point you decide that you're going to be a, an electrician, be an apprentice to uh, mm-hmm. what, what happened there?
0: Um, so I suppose a little bit of influence there comes from family background. Um, my brother is a, was a plumber at the time. Yeah. Um, he's, he's quite a bit older than me. Um, and it was actually my sister who came up with the suggestion of being an electrician, right? Um, that was randomly when we were out walking the dog one night, yeah. Um, and that's kind of where it all stemmed from, really. Um, as we then went through the various careers things at school, um, I wasn't particularly academic, and as you can imagine, they tend to push you down the trade route when you're not particularly academic, right? Um, certainly back then at, at school, um, so we then progressed through, through applying for apprenticeships. Mm. Um, I was quite fortunate, I got into quite a good uh, apprenticeship. I was, um, <clears throat> on RF Wittering for my first year of my apprenticeship. So I I looked after the maintenance of the buildings with the electricians there, which was some really good experience and fantastic stuff to learn on there. Yeah, Some really good experiences. Um, And then from there, I was made redundant after 18 months when the company I was working for lost the contract. And I went on to work for another company looking after the uh, Cambridge County Council uh, properties. And again, some really good experiences there, some really good uh, learning um, opportunities. Um, and working with some really good engineers who took the time to teach me, so I was very fortunate from that point of view really
1: mm. and when you're in that environment, d- did you spot other people stepping out to start their own businesses? Was there a sort of trend there that you would be an apprentice for a while, do some work, and then maybe think about starting yourself
0: not so much not so much when I was younger when I became qualified, absolutely mm. so um I remember being um as a young, I was still in my third year of my apprenticeship then. When the company I was working for actually took me off the tools to be an understudy to one of the contracts managers, right. um, and you could then start to see a bit of a trend happening. Then, um, you would, when I qualified, I remember working over a, a site over in Kettering, um, and I specifically remember then seeing a big trend of self employment happening among within the within the industry.
1: Mm. And and was it always successful, or did you see people going out giving it a go and then thinking, mm, I want to come back and you know, have the security of a paid job, if you like.
0: Um, thinking back to that time, I don't recall I don't recall seeing that. There was a lot of I think back then, because of the way the economy was, there was a real influence on people wanting to go out and be self employed. Mm-hmm. So even after I was qualified, I went out and did a bit of contracting for a few years. Yeah. Um, and that seemed to be very much the trend. I think setting up a a business as such maybe wasn't quite so um I was going to say quite so easy, but maybe wasn't quite. Uh, people weren't maybe quite so keen to do it as maybe what they are now. Mm. I would say. Mm.
1: So I guess there must have been a moment then in your career at some point where you were looking around thinking, um, "I think I can probably do this on my own." Talk, talk, talk me through that bit.
0: Yeah. So, I think as a youngster, I've always really, I've, I've always really wanted to have my own business. Mm. Going back to being a young lad at school. Um, Wanting to do it and doing it are two very different things. Yeah. Um, and I think I I always felt as a young engineer, I never really had that skill set to be able to really pursue that as much as I wanted to do it. Mm. Um, I think when I um, went through the period of contracting, I thought I was probably going to be able to, to develop that. Um, but then I ended up taking a job for one of our customers at the time, mm. um, which then spurred me down the uh, sent me down the management career yes um which is where i really learned my skills um on how to manage um how to manage jobs not how to manage people how to manage jobs right um i think the skills of managing people came a lot later on
1: right and that skill to manage jobs i guess is you know it's pivotal um in the difference between being an electrician and being uh, the owner of a business Absolutely. And that idea that every job has to be profitable and you're keeping an eye on the cost and things, that must have been a good grounding for future business.
0: Fantastic. I was very fortunate that I had a um, a manager who, as I started off in my management career, who stood by me. Mm. Being I was very young. I was only 23 when I went into the management game. Um, so I was very young, very inexperienced, um probably too young and probably too inexperienced, if the truth be told. Right. Um, but I was very fortunate I had a manager who believed in me and obviously saw something that he he stood by me and pushed me and, and, and pushed me hard. Hmm. Um and I had to work very hard to maintain um that role. Was I particularly good at it to start with? No. But I learned it and I grew and hmm. I grew into it. Um and 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 late and you know, and and developed a a reasonably success of it by the end of it.
1: Yeah. And that's powerful, isn't it? At the beginning, when you've got a strong manager who's really a mentor, who's, who's pushing you hard and making sure you learn what you need to learn. Absolutely. Um, so there's, there's a point then where you decide, um, right, I'm going to go and do this on my own, and um, EML is born. Talk me through the birth of EML. What, what happened there?
0: So EML came about, I'd changed jobs. So um, I, I changed jobs a couple of times, and one of the, the latter job before EML I'd been there for it for a year, and after the year, that we it was decided that they they were, weren't going to renew the contract after the first year. Um, so I was quite shocked by this because that was you know mm. I, I was used to being quite a um, a well known person in the industry. Who um, the thought of somebody not wanting to employ me was a, a, a big shock to me. Yeah, um, yeah. But actually, it was the best thing that happened because it knocked the arrogance out of me. Um, so it changed me quite a bit as a person. So going home and having to tell your your wife and your children that actually you you're out of a job was mm. was a big shock yeah um but we had christmas 2 months away my wife was about to give birth to our fourth child um so we had to had to do th- something about it there oh. wasn't really a great deal of jobs going at the time because it's in the run up to christmas so yeah the, the 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 job market isn't very um very wasn't very buoyant at the time so we went down the route of setting up setting up pml um so it's something that I'd always wanted to do mm hmm but I never really planned for that to happen. It kind of just <laughs> happened, um, and I've never really looked back. Really, it's mm. it was probably the best thing that ever. It, it was the best thing that ever happened to me on a business um, level, mm-hmm. but also on a personal level as well, because it changed me as a person and how I and how, how I view things definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm just curious. I'm, I'm guessing EML um, Esther and Mark. What, what, where's the L?
0: So that's the, the EML is the first letter of all the names of the family. So you've got uh, Esther, uh, Mark, Esther, you've got uh, Ellie, Lucy, Luke, and Libby. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then we've got our fifth child who's Freddie, but he came on long after EML was, was born. So he's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to put an F in there. there there's, but no, there's no place no, for an F. Not, no, <laughs> we're not going to change the name for that. But yeah, that's
1: So, so mindset-wise, you've um, made that decision, kind of had the decision forced on you in a way to, to take that leap um yourself. Um talk me through those first you know few months where you're now setting up the company mindset's really important um getting everything set up correctly what was it like in that first quarter
0: um frightening in some ways mm. um you are now completely dependent on getting that work through the door and being able to get it um the biggest thing for me was I had to go back out on the tools. Now I'd been off the tools for Number of years, Um, and while you may never lose your ability to do your trade, you lose your uh, you lose your speed at doing it, and lose lose almost like your fitness. It's almost if you stop running for a while and then go to run again, it's a big shock to the system, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it was very much the same as going back out in the tools. So I was going back out in the tools to start with, and that was hard. That was really hard. Mm. I would get home at the end of the, the first few days, and I was just exhausted every night. Yeah but I really enjoyed it, but it was hard um, as we, so I, I started going off and I was going to work for other electrical contractors to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in a matter of, I'm gonna say three months or so. And we, I'd managed to get a couple of contractors working with me who were also then, we're also then going off and working with, with for other people as well um, mm. as a team. Then the phone started ringing.
2: Right.
0: And the phone started ringing from people of contacts and reputations i would built up over the years. Mm-hmm. And that's when it started to change. I remember getting my first call from, um, a client who I'd worked with for a number of years, um, or sorry, he would actually worked for us for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So we'd got a call from a client who'd worked from us for a number of years in previous roles who was now offering us work. Yeah. Um, and that was, that, that was a really good feeling. Mm. You thought, uh, yes, we we can do this. Mm. Um, so we went off. We got our NIC registration. Um, we started to then set ourselves up as a as a proper business rather than just being a, a contractor.
1: And at that point, you're you are a, a tradesman. You are an electrician, but you're mm. also head of marketing and head of sales and head of finance and head of HR and head of everything mm. in the company. What kind of pressure did you feel at that point?
0: I think when you're at that point, it's very different running a department for a company, very different mm. to then running a business. Yeah. Hugely different. Yeah. And I think when I look back at the experience I'd gained over previous employments and the different roles I'd done, and then you start to bring that all together, they start, bits start to fit into place. But it was very very overwhelming to start with because it's trying to work out where do we want this business to go is this just going to be me and a couple of guys in a van is this going to become something that we want to build into a what i would call a proper business where we've got multiple people working for us and and so on um so i remember sitting there and drafting up a bit of a business plan for it yeah and writing it down like i part of me want would like to go and grab it at some point and have a look back through it. But I know some of the numbers we put down for the first three years of what targets we wanted to hit. I mean, we, we well exceeded those, but um, you look back through at, at some of those things that we've done and the little, uh, say for instance, some of the marketing ideas that we'd taken out we'd learned over mm-hmm. the years that we'd started to implement and put in there and started to 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 put the join all the dots and put things into place. But I think the more I did that, I think the more I realized how much I didn't know.
2: Mm.
1: And that's an important point, isn't it, for business owners? Because it makes them, they then think to themselves, who do I need to get in to fill the gaps in my Absolutely, own yeah. knowledge? Was there a, a particular moment where you decided, right, now is the time and I need to get people in and around me?
0: I think as the, we were probably into almost, we we're probably 12 months down the line, right. uh, maybe a bit more. And I had somebody who came and, and approached me to who was, He's quite quite keen in his marketing, mm. um, and he wanted to to to, to work with us and, and and coach us through. And I think that was a, I'd always had a real negative attitude to that sort of thing,
2: mm.
0: but I think that was the point. Part of me thought, let's give it a go and see where, see how this goes. Yeah, and I think from that point, as as I'm sure you you uh, you appreciate the, the influence of having somebody who can just coach and point you in the right direction with some of these things is absolutely crucial. Mm. I so I'm I'm quite heavily dyslexic. I don't really read books. Um, I'm not a big reader. I'm not a big writer. Um, people see that by the state of some of the emails that go out and things. Um, <laughs> anything important has to be proofread and uh, proofread read and corrected. Yeah, um, yeah. My wife sometimes when she's looking at things going, you're gonna have to sit and look at me with this because I can't make head nor tail of what <laughs> you're trying to say. Um, but that was when I got introduced to audiobooks uh-huh. and that was a massively fundamental change for me. Mm. Um, even to the extent now my daughter who is doing her hairdressing apprenticeship at the age of 17, she's biking to work every day and I've started to get her into the gist of listening to audiobooks and podcasts because I think it's so fundamentally different because a lot of this stuff that you need for business and even just for life skills, these kids don't get taught in school. Yeah. Um, so the change that that had on me was, was, was massive, even to the point where one of the classic books, The e I mean, I've lost count how many times we have listened to it, Gary. Yeah. But I have th- three or four go-to books that when something happens, I, I go back to these things because they're such key learning yeah. tools. Um, and you start to learn different things in these in these books. But what's really interesting is, although they might say to you in, in various books of the different things you need to do, you still need somebody who can show you how to actually do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Susan's Pie Shop.
0: Yes absolutely right? yeah, yeah brilliant that.
1: um I just just let me take a little segue off to one side based on what you just said there about your daughter and the fact that she's um you know there's some life skills that she doesn't get taught in school what what's hmm. what's missing do you think what what, she, what does she
0: not get I teach my kids what taxes is I teach them what mortgages I teach hmm. them what credit card is um I teach them what interest is interest are very topical at the minute yeah and I like to think that my children have an idea now of what interest rates are. These things are all fundamental life skills and they don't get taught it. Mm. It's so crazy. It, it's crazy. absolutely mad. So we're expecting the, we're expecting these youngsters to come into the workplace and be fit for work. And they're not, mm. we have, um, we are very, are very keen on apprentices. We have uh, eight at the moment. We are, we've got a target by 2030 to have trained with a minimum of 10 qualified, um, that number's there to be broken. That's not we just want to prove we just we that's not there to just get ten over the line. That's there to get at least ten over the line. Yeah. yeah. Um so apprentices are very keen, but what we're finding is now is maturity wise, what a sixteen year old was pre COVID is now an eighty is now an eighteen year old. They've lost a massive area of maturity. They struggled to a lot of youngsters struggled to communicate. Yeah. Um they just don't seem to have the maturity in, in life. Um, Isn't that interesting?
1: Because, I mean, that's, you know, normally they would pick that up from their families and their friends and their school environment. Something's gone wrong there.
0: Absolutely. So we're now having to find that if I was to go back two years ago and we were to have a 16-year-old apprentice in the business and their, and their parent was to contact me, I wouldn't really entertain that. Because our, my attitude would be very much a case of they're in the workplace now. They're, they're, they're here in, a, in an adult mm. environment to, to work. I have a very different view on that. Partly because I've seen my daughter go through the process. And although I don't get involved in what my daughter does with her, mm. her employment, that's up to, between her and her employer. My daughter will come home and she might ask questions and we might advise her.
2: Yeah.
0: It made me realize that actually these apprentices do the same with their parents.
2: Yeah.
0: And is it such a bad thing to, while they're so young, to actually involve the parent? sometimes and maybe if there is a concern with, with with the child whether it be that they're not performing at college to actually make the parent aware of that so that they can support support mm. the child mm. because they are still children and I think that's one of the one of the, the things that I've learned as well
1: yeah well, that is fascinating and of course the, the parents themselves have got to have some skills in order to advise their children how to behave in that adult environment absolutely. which is interesting. absolutely so um yeah. That was a, a little segue there, but uh, just coming back to the company then, uh, it's starting to grow now. You're 12 months in, you're thinking about, you know, the business plan. Maybe there's a longer term kind of end in mind type strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you start to build the team?
0: We, I remember taking on our first employee. It was a year in mm-hmm. and it was a young lad apprentice. Um, and he came to us. He was a year into our, his apprenticeship. He'd relocated with his parents because his, his parents were in the in the RF. Mm. I remember sitting there doing the calculations, Gary, and just trying to work out if I could afford to take this young lad on. Yeah, because it was one thing having subcontractors working for you, who if the work disappeared, you could just let let go. Yeah, it's a whole other thing committing to an apprentice. Mm. I remember sitting there tapping the numbers in. Say, okay, I think we can do this. We'll do this. So we 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 offered him a job. We took on. Two months later, I got a phone call from somebody who, an apprentice who had worked for me at a previous employment going, I'm just not enjoying it here. Have you got any work? And I'm thinking, this lad's a brilliant lad. It'd be such a shame to miss out miss out on him. Mm-hmm. Get, get the calculator out again. Let's do the numbers. Let's get the spreadsheet up. I think we'll be okay. We can do this. Yeah. So we took him on. We ran with it for a, for a few months. And then it come to the point where as more and more work's starting to come through the door, more and more interest is, is appearing from customers and people we're talking to. hmm um, the work we're doing on on social media and and reaching out we're starting to do there's there's a bit of a a, a nay, there's a bit of a um momentum starting to build now we need to employ some more people mm-hmm. i remember we re- winning our first uh six figure project uh we we're about 18 months in i think then i remember the excitement you know but also the, the dread and the scare of how on earth are we go deliver this how are we go cash flow it how are we going to resource it yeah where's the team going to come from yeah, yeah. um and we were very lucky that about that sort of time, we'd started to attract people to us who we knew. Um, so we knew they were good, reliable engineers, and we'd mm. started to attract them in. Um, a lot of them were coming as subcontractors because that's the way the industry, what, yeah. the industry yeah. was and is still very much. And then we started then to employ people directly. Mm. Um, I remember taking our first administrator on, who's now our office manager, who's still with us. Um, I remember taking our first electrician on, Mm -hmm. and it's starting to build the momentum starting to build we're getting busier and busier and that fear of is this going to run away with us how do we keep this in check how do we keep this under control because we were growing fast yes and then it's the the idea of we've now got to build a culture we've now got to create something one of the the big things when we when i set EML up i remember talking with esther about it when we were doing it and it's about creating a business where people enjoy coming to work I'm not saying you have to come and skip through the door, but you have to be happy in your job. Yeah. If you're not happy in your job, you're not happy at home. And I'd worked in a, two or three companies with toxic environments, especially the one before email. Yeah. Um, and for me, that was what I wanted to absolutely avoid. So we took all the good things that we'd learned from the businesses that we'd worked in, mm-hmm. took all, left all the bad things, and made a point of making sure they were left at the door, and that's then what we tried to create. So, as we started to employ people, it was then a case of starting to build this this culture, mm. and then COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let, let's just just before we talk about the, the the COVID thing, culture is you know best designed. I think you you know as you say, you pick the best things out of your own life experience and decide that that is going to be the culture, mm. rather than letting it just kind of bubble up. Um, what was it like to? When you hired that administrator, and you were thinking this is not a uh, this is not an income generating post, this is a cost to the business, but it's essential that we have this person here. How did you make that decision?
0: That decision was partly made out of trying to relieve some of the work from me. Mm. Okay. Um, I think it's very when you are trying to do everything, things start to go wrong, and you have to know when the time is that you have to let go. Yeah. Um, I'm not particularly good at letting go. I'm probably a lot better at it now than I used to be. Yeah. But I certainly remember that stage when she was turning up on the first day and I'm sitting there thinking, what am I going to get her to do?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What am I going to trust her with?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You know.
1: Yeah. That That is interesting because, I mean, it is a big step to take on someone who's not generating revenue. Massive. The, the other thing that you said that just caught my attention was that, you know, you've got to be careful that the business doesn't run away with you mm. because I know that, Certainly that a lot of people that I've coached their tendency at the beginning uh, as I think was mine in my own coaching business was to say yes to everything at the beginning. Was there a moment when you you know grew the confidence and 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 were able to say um, no or not yet or
0: I think that's probably only come in the last twelve months, Gary <laughs> <laughs> um, there's been some pretty we, we've grown very fast I mean this year yeah. alone we've grown by one hundred and seventeen percent yeah um and that's quite typical of, of, of our expansion, if not more. And we need to, we've now got to slow that down. The, there's been some real tough thing tough events along the way. Uh-huh. Um, and we've, and there's been times when we've kind of had to sit there and go, do you know what? We're going to, we're going to stop working for this client because this client doesn't suit our business anymore. Yeah. Um, and they've been really tough to, difficult decisions. Yeah. Even in the last six, uh, six months, we terminated a framework agreement. with One of our key customers at the time because it was the right thing to do for our business. Yeah. That's hard. They're and tough it's decisions. Massively mm. tough decisions because there is that huge risk element of what if is there. Mm. Um, and I think in those early days, like you say, you're very keen to let's get the work through. Let's get, let, we want the work through. We want yeah. to try and make money out of this. We want this to work. We want to grow. We want to push. And Sometimes the no word doesn't quite come out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
1: I get that, and and I, I get that it becomes an acquired skill um, to be able to look mm-hmm. at the situation, look at the offer, and look at the person, look at the company, and and make a decision. Um, yeah, that's good, it's a good advice actually for for businesses who are in that position, thinking about you know, can I can I say no to certain things or change to. the way I take money on uh, business on.
0: I think we within year two, if I recall correctly, we walked away from a customer who was quite influential for us at the time. Um, and we walked away from a lot of money that owed us at the time as well. Stupid as that sounds, it was the best decision make business. Mm. It was the best decision from a business point of view I ever made. Because
1: mm. some customers can sap your time, sap your energy, mm. not pay you, not communicate very well.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think I think a good business, Gary, is somebody who can go through their their customer list every year and look who they're going to mm. going to stop trade away from. Yeah, yeah who doesn't fit the mold of the business anymore.
1: Yeah. That's a good that's a good piece of advice too. Um you mentioned the pandemic um we'll have a quick look at that and then I want to think about you know how your leadership style changed and how you you, you know sometimes you can in businesses that are growing like yours has you can refocus yourself on building great processes and, and mm-hmm. systems but let's just talk about the pandemic what was the uh, what was the impact on the ml at that point?
0: I remember going home to Esther one day. I remember saying to her, I don't know how we are going to get through this. It was scary. And I think it was for a lot of companies. We we were a very young business at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't have a huge cash reserve. We decided to employ people. We now had overheads. Mm -hmm. It was scary. You suddenly sit there and realize what happens if... Mm -hmm. And then your mind starts to wonder: What happens if this this fails? What happens if if, if this all goes wrong? What's yeah. the consequence? Yeah. And I think I think that's probably quite typical. And most business owners at some point go through that vulnerable stage, don't uh-huh. they? Where they really do have those have those scary thoughts. Absolutely. We were very fortunate. We had um, we put our direct engineers onto onto the furlough scheme very quick, straight away. And we kept our subcontractors going so that everybody could still earn money and still pay their mortgage. We were very fortunate that our industry didn't stop and it carried on. Mm. Um, <clears throat> within, I think it was three weeks was the minimum that had to be on the furlough for memory. Um, we had everybody back at work. Right. We were very, very, very fortunate. In fact, the second phase of COVID probably hit us harder than the first phase because we had a lot more increased costs mm. to sustain and to absorb, but we still had to deliver the same, mm. the same level of service and skill. Mm.
1: So <clears throat> with the business still running in in, in the pandemic, um, you know, given, given what you've said, you come out of the other side of that. Is there, you've talked about this quite a high growth rate. Was that when that started or when you'd you know, really got to grips with, right, this is the growth target. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to move the business forward.
0: As we came out of COVID, we'd really then started to, we really then started to ramp up. Um, or when we came out of the first phase of COVID, we really started to ramp up the new year before covid had hit i'd actually sat down i'd gone in new year's day into the office and i I'd, i I'd, I'd mm. tend to do it most year's now actually and i i that i use that time to really just sit down and just review costs yeah. there's no emails going there's no phones going um and you can sit there and do a bit of planning mm. um so we were in a, a we kind of had a bit of idea of where we wanted to go growth wise um i still didn't really at that stage have a, have much of a clue how to do it if i'm honest right a lot of the growth as we came out of COVID came by fluke. Mm. The, market, oh, the marketplace say. was growing. It was right place, right time, right people, Yeah, just being able, uh, picking up the phone at the right time. Mm. Um, and I think that was, that. I, I can't, if somebody was to say to me, Ooh. how did you grow the business from uh, the time, then we'd have had no more than five employees up to what we know, we must have nearly 40 people mm-hmm. employed directly or ind- indirectly. I couldn't tell you.
1: Fascinating, fascinating, because market forces are out there and they exert pressure or uh, otherwise opportunity mm. on businesses. Yeah. Just thinking about yourself, then, because one of the the great things that I see in my business is the way business owners develop themselves. Mm. You know, and I, you've already talked about your, you know, your love of audio books and your passion for, for self de- development. Um, thinking about your leadership style and the way that you lead this group of you know, nearly forty people now. What's changed in you over this time, and what kind of leader are you?
0: That's a really good question. Um, I think if I was to, how have I changed? I think if I was to go back to how I've changed, I've certainly lost the arrogance and the hierarchy side of it as I've with with having my own business. Uh-huh. Um, I think I've learned it's okay to be a bit vulnerable. It's okay to not have the answers. Yeah. Um I think I've l I've I understand what the difference is between a leader and a dictator, if I can use that word. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I know people see a lot of a lot of that on on LinkedIn and various posts and things like that, but I think I've started to learn the difference between standing there with a the big stick and saying, You will do this. Yes. To actually having a team of people who Mm. I don't need to say you will do this because they will just do it because they know it's the right thing to do, yeah. Um, Or they'll do it because it needs doing, and I don't have to ask because they because they're they're part of something
1: behind them as well. Absolutely, understand how the business cycle works. Mm. Yeah.
0: In fact, I remember um, in one of my employments, one of my managers used to talk about making sure you had everybody on the bus with you. Always talk about making sure everybody's on the bus with you. You know, regards your team. Yeah. So I think it's it's always good to take it. In his words, you know, take a look back and make sure everybody's on that bus with you. Mm. Because if you don't, and you don't keep, keep your team in place, you don't keep them motivated, you don't look after them and you don't lead them, mm. they fall away. So I think I've, I've learned the difference between, well, I've learned what leadership is to a certain extent. Now, am I the perfect leader? Absolutely not. I've got a long way to go. Um, but I think we've developed a team now and a culture within the organization that care So to give you an example, I was sitting down having a conversation with one of our uh, members in the office the other day, and their words to me were, I've never worked in a place like this before. I can't describe how different this is to working in any other business. And that person's been there three, four years. Mm. Um, People who sometimes come into our business, they struggle, maybe struggle is the wrong word. They find it very different to what they're used to working in because we have a very different way of working. In how we treat people, how we look after people um, and I think probably the big thing is we we, we care mm. they're not just employees they're not just numbers they're they're people um, and they're part of our team
1: so so as the leader um, you know one of the one of the profoundly important roles of a leader is to you know show people the future and get them to come along on the bus you know to use mm. your analogy and, and and go with you as you build um, Eml going forward. How do you convey your vision of the future to that group of people? Because that must be part of the motivational force.
0: With great difficulty. <laughs> it's not an easy thing to do. No. Um, last year we had what we called an EMM, an EML day, which actually went down really well, which is where we basically shut the business for the day. Mm-hmm. And we took everybody out, uh, everybody off to, we used a meeting room at one, one of our suppliers mm-hmm. and we put food on and, and so on. And we spent the morning where I gave a bit of a talk about the business. We talked about the history, where we'd come from, because a lot of people didn't know. Yeah. We spoke about where the business was going, what our plans were for the future. And then the afternoon we talked about um, what does good look like? So mm-hmm. how can we improve the business? Yeah. And we got everybody involved in in that side of things, that things that we could change and things we could improve. And we'll do that again. We're probably gonna look at doing that probably December time, I think, this year, yeah. rather than in the summer. How do we get people? make sure people are on the bus we involve them? I think that's probably the best way to, to put it. Um we talk quite openly with um the key members of the team of what the what the plans are do I know exactly what the plans are for the future no if i'm honest yeah because they change and they evolve with the, with the business yeah
1: and i think that's okay i mean i think it you know often we look you know far into the future and and it's uh, it's very difficult to look i don't know probably more than a year actually in any form of detail you can have a you can have an idea of what 3 years and 5 mm. years looks looks like but the external environment changes so quickly uh, as, as well but the fact that you are actually planning and thinking about you know conveying that to the people is a powerful motivational thing. I think
0: one thing that I've I've certainly learned over the last 24 months is the importance of planning and budgeting mm. and and having a plan yeah yeah
1: good advice for for business owners
0: so um just to finish off
1: um mark I'm I want to take you back to the beginning and um it's a slightly contrived question, but I like to ask it because i'm I'm thinking about you know if you could go back to that point knowing what you know now, what would you say to the young Mark as he sets out on his e m l journey Wow,
0: don't be afraid to get on and do it mm. um there have There have been some amazing times along the way there's been some very challenging times of the way um the other week we won the apprentice award for peterborough as, a, as an employer which was yeah. which was absolutely you know that was cloud nine that was fantastic i just showed everything that we we are as a business yeah um but there's also been some some very difficult times but don't be afraid to get on and do it and don't be afraid to build that team around you that will support you and help you with it because you might be it might be your you might own the business so me and me and esther are, are jointly in mm. the business but we're not the ones who have built it. We've got a team around us who have, who have worked with us to build that business, and they're part of it.
2: Mm.
0: And I think the importance of, yes, get on and do it, but make sure you've got the right people around, around with you. Yeah. And if you haven't got the right people around you, change them.
1: That is brilliant advice, brilliant advice. Uh, we've had a few people on the podcast who've said, you know, um, knowing what I know now, I would have started earlier. So mm. getting, getting on and doing it strong advice Uh, Mark we've cantered through the history of EML but I appreciate your time and I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and, and showing people what it's like to grow a business from scratch up to the level that you've got it now so thanks for spending some time with me on the business sense podcast
0: thank you very much it's been
1: a pleasure